This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I am Kayla Kinnearm, joined by Dan Selke. Welcome to what was previously known as WIC Live that is now Take the Black Live. Take the Black Live. Everybody who watches our show regularly, as you know, we go over the news about uh, Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, to, uh, go through the Song of Ice and Fire books, chapter by chapter. And just so you all know, it's the same show, same hosts. <laughs> same topics, same sparkling conversation, but a uh, different, different background. Different name. Just because we are now going to, in addition to being a live Facebook show, also have the audio from this bottled and packaged as a podcast called so Take fun. the Black. And you I know like that, this situation, too. This is nice. I kind of feel trapped a little bit. But <laughs> I, I like it, too. I don't have to lean forward as much. Thanks, everybody, for coming. I see you all are gathering here. And by the way, Kayla, you know what that means. Now that we're a podcast, we can't have any... <gasps> Silences. Oh, so. okay. I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> I know. I was wondering. I didn't know. Can we cuss? I mean, I mean, we I never, could I never always cuss. cuss. <laughs> it's, it's, it's still the same live show. <laughs> I don't know what the rules for podcasts are. I'm new to this. <laughs> I mean, whatever you would do here, do that. Whatever you wouldn't do, do and do it. We, I, we don't get too dirty on this. I show, think we so could I'm always fine. cuss. We just haven't really done a lot of it. Yeah. Anyway, hey, everybody. Hey, Julie. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Julie, Michael Allardyce. Lauren. Hey, Lisa, <laughs> Pamela, Margaret, Lauren, good to see you all, guys. And today, we have a special, this is, a, this is a great way to kick this off because we have a special offer today. We are giving away two tickets to the Game of Thrones live concert experience that <gasps> kicks off later this year. So exciting. And you went last year, which we've told the crowd before. I did. It was, an, it was, it was an absolute blast. It yes. really was. It's Raman Jawadi, the guy who composed all the songs for Game of Thrones. Tours um, this year he's touring Europe and he's touring uh, North America, just with a huge orchestra, soloists. They play the songs from the show, which, as you know, the score from the show is always spectacular, always fun. Love. And there's the new music's stuff. beautiful. It really is. 
And the show was great. Like there's every like the, the, the score itself is beautiful. They have big projections, they have pyrotechnics. When they did the song about the set blowing up, yes. it was like green flames everywhere on stage. It was really, really so impressive. So you sent me a little video, like a preview thing, and I watched all 25 minutes of it, and that part was really cool. I love the violin during um, the Starks song. Right. So pretty. And they had a beautiful, like, kind of red tree projection yeah. on back. It was very lovely. They do a great job. Do you think and they'll mix it up, or will, like, the, will they be? Oh, yeah. Because I mean, they'll have new songs. Yeah, they'll have new songs from this most recent season. They'll have the Don Janney, John Danny love theme. Yep. Probably have a whole boat sex section. It'll be great. <laughs> and it's going to happen uh, later this year, uh, tours in Europe and North America. And this giveaway is available to anyone in the world. So it's going to places like... Say it a, again. A par- this... Giveaway is open to anyone in the world. Because normally we've just only been able to do within the U.S., Because right? it's like we're shipping something huge. physical. But in this case, the company is going to just leave your tickets at the That's door so for exciting. you. That's so exciting. That means you, Julie. That does mean you, Julie. Although you're in Australia. <laughs> it's not going to Australia. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> it's going to. This is a partial list. It's going to Madrid, Paris, Berlin, Amsterdam, Dublin, London, Vancouver, Toronto, Seattle, L.A., Denver, Houston, Washington, D.C., Boston, New York, Chicago, and many, many more. You can see the full list of tour dates uh, on Winter is Coming. And we are going to give the tickets away a little bit later in the show uh, after Kayla and I talk about the latest news and before Josh Hill comes on for a song Dan and Josh. So stick around for that. And without further ado, let's get into the latest news from the Game of Thrones set. Antonio Felipe traveled from Egypt to New York just to see it. Worth Whoa, it. Oh, that is commitment. That is commitment. But it was, it, was, it was extremely good. And yes, Lauren, they had Arya's song. Love that bit. Pamela wants it to come to Dublin. It is coming to Dublin, Pamela. So rock on. I mean, watching the preview, I couldn't believe like, that all the singing was live. Like all mm-hmm. of that that I just never thought of. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, and in that song especially, they have the big choral arrangement mm-hmm. for like the the set blowing up part, and um, they, they they all sing the songs with words. So like the Reigns of Castamere, they get a soloist for it. Really, really good show. And later we'll ask a trivia question, and if you respond to it quickly, the two tickets can be yours. But first, let's get into this so we can give the people what they want. Yes. Okay. Filming on Game of Thrones season seven, eight. Sorry, it's still in my head. Sate. <laughs> Continuing, always going. Um, some big news out of the Winterfell set as of late at Moneyglass, Northern Ireland. You know, it wasn't long ago there was some huge activity there. We thought they'd be done. Right. But um, it's been filming since January. It's still going on. And the most recent thing is um, a Twitter account called GOT Like Location. Get some beautiful images of what's going on there. And you know, I'll draw your attention, Kayla, to this little image here, which we have physical. Lovely. What do you see on the left of the uh, giant edifice? Bright lights. Mm, true. How about like the green on screen? the ground, y'all? The ground. Snow. Snow. True. <laughs> I. This is very <laughs> grainy. I can't tell. No, it is very grainy. The point is, and this is kind of a spoiler. So plug your ears if you don't want to hear. There are those are corpses littered in the snow <laughs> next to the castle. Ah, I did not get that. <laughs> <laughs> they look like bales of hay. You haven't spent enough time peering incessantly at it and zooming in to make I, sure I have not. you can see what it is. <laughs> oh, uh, Ashley is sneakily watching during her class. I think it's a good, <gasps> solid idea, Ashley. That's fun. That is fun. That's a I good hope you don't get in trouble, but thanks anyway, for tuning in. Anyway, <laughs> the point is, uh, Winterfell images, corpses to the left of the castle. That's a lot of bodies. 
Those are horse bodies, too, as you can see. And people bodies. <gasps> I hate it when horses die. No horses are harmed in the making of Game of Thrones. That's very true. But they do have fake horse corpses. Because in battle, These horses things die. Happen. Yes. No, this implies what? Some kind of fight outside Winterfell. Which we all kind of expect. I mean, you know, some big things are going to go down. Mm-hmm. So that's something to look forward to slash dread. Lauren Groth, is this Winterfell? Yeah, it is, Lauren. You can see um, in the pictures the two towers on the right. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, this is definitely Winterfell. They redid the facade, so it looks... Um, so more of it is actually in the physical world rather than built with special effects. Uh, Jenny Cole wants to go to the show in Springfield, Missouri. I'm not sure if it is going to go there, Jenny, but you can look at winteriscoming.net. I'm from around Springfield. You are, aren't you? It definitely would not be going through Springfield. St. Louis, maybe, I think. Oh, it does go through St. Louis? Is that near Springfield? No. I mean, three hours. (laughs) I think it's in St. Louis, Jenny, but go to winteriscoming.net to uh, see the full list of dates. So that's pretty intriguing. We'll have some Mm. fighting outside Winterfell. Hope there's no one we know in that pile. Yeah, me too. The question, always, as always, is, is it a army versus army clash, or are we talking dead people coming to root Winterfell? Also a good point. Jenny Cole, can't see, can't see any bodies, bodies at all. Believe me, Jenny, if you look close enough, you I will... I couldn't uh, be there, Jenny. It's fine. <laughs> I think you have to use context. Um, the other big interesting behind-the-scenes tidbit to come out, I think this one is a little more clear to everybody... Uh, it takes place at an important set for Game of Thrones called that they've used for years called Maghuramorn Quarry, which is a place in Northern Ireland. It's just a quarry. They've used it to film things like the Battle of Blackwater. They used to film the Hard Home Massacre, mm-hmm. where John the Night King back in the day. And there's been a giant new structure built there. There's basically been th- th- this is like the year of building huge decorative sets that are outdoor and everyone can see them, like record-setting sort of sets. Right. And they've erected this absolutely enormous... (laughs) Now this I can tell. Yes, Yes. I can see this. Green screen set. And I want to to draw your attention to... Look how tiny, like, the cranes are in comparison to that wall. So tiny. They look like little... I mean, it dwarfs it. Legos. I haven't heard of a, a green screen set that big outdoors on even, like, a major Hollywood motion picture. I mean, you can see some risers next to it. It looks like it's at least a couple stories tall. It does. It looks like a prop. It looks like it's building size, which is very, very impressive. And you gotta wonder, like, what would they need something that massive for? Dragons? It, sure. Army of the Dead. I mean, I, I was wondering, like, why they couldn't build it inside. And I'm like, I'm not sure like, there's any studio that would fit that size of a green screen inside. So they might have to have gone outside to do something with it. That is very large. Yeah, what do you think it's for? I mean, obviously some giant special effects, Latin, um, something epic, a battle sequence of some kind. I mean, if, if we're talking dragons, zombies, ghosts, and the kind of winter that doesn't really happen, but that is just so ferocious, you need to, you need to make it with special effects... They might require that size of a green screen. What do you guys think? <laughs> Lauren thinks actual <laughs> dragons, perhaps. Fun. That could totally be it. That would be a fun way to end the show, I think. That they that, that just forget making special effects. They just actually made a dragon. Nice. They can film it. Yep. They wouldn't need a green screen, though. So. That's also true. <laughs> Good point. It's interesting, Kayla. They're really going for scale this time. I hope so. Out with a bang. 
It is out with the bang. I wonder how much it's costing. I mean, my God, just to, to, to the, the the things they're building are on a scale that, again, it, it kind of dwarfs what I've seen in a lot of major motion pictures. Like, and they're building it. They're building a city in Belfast. Didn't we have use. the budgets from seasons past? Or we did. There, it's, it, it usually huffs around like one hundred million dollars, which is a goodly amount. Yes. Um, you know, that's, they should double that for the last season. They should double it. <laughs> Be pretty cool. Two hundred million dollars. I mean, there there are movies that cost that much, but precious few. And uh, I just hope it all pays off. And finally, before we get to the ticket giveaway, one quick uh, check-in with one Ms. Maisie Williams, who cast some uh, doubt on something we've heard for a while—the whole notion that they're going to be filming multiple endings to Game of Thrones. This kind of came up a while back. Right. The HBO president said we it. talked about this. We did. Yeah. And she went, uh, Maisie Williams plays Arya, went on Jimmy Kimmel Live, basically said, um, I love having this paper in front of me. Um, I heard that, and I immediately thought, I don't think we have the budget to shoot lots of different endings, which uh, is, could be true, could be deflection, hard to know. Maisie, I think you do, though. <laughs> they clearly have a lot of budget. Well, I, I mean, I, I think the mistake people make is that when, when people say they're going to shoot multiple endings, it doesn't mean they're going to shoot, like, three different outcomes to a huge battle and then choose the one they like best. It means there'll be some chamber scene involving some characters and you give them different lines. Like, not anything that costs a huge amount is my read on that kind of thing. But I can see them doing that just to to deter people from the inside leaking scripts. Because if you leak one where it says one thing... And someone else leaks one, so it's another thing. Right. You're more likely to throw confusion. people off. Yeah. That, that's what I'm taking from multiple endings. Bit. Okay. That would what make sense. What do you sense. think, Kayla? I think, I think that's a definitely a possibility. I think that too. I think maybe she just might be using that to deflect. I don't know. Hard to know. She also said she has <laughs> a, a lot of filming ahead of her. Endless amounts. It's a mammoth task this year. It's huge. And we will be here covering it on Take the Black every Wednesday at 4. And now, everybody, let's get to the ticket giveaway. Okay. Yes. Before and after that, Josh Hill will come on so we can run through more of A Game of Thrones with Song of Dan and Josh. And I'll see you guys next week. You will. Right. <laughs> Jenny Cole calls it fake news. The Maisie Williams bit. Very funny. Um, okay. So, what's going to happen here is we're going to flash an email address on screen. My email address, dan.selke at winnerscoming.net. I'm going to ask a trivia question about Game of Thrones. Everybody get that email address in your two box, and when I ask it, just type in your answer, send it to me, and the person who sends it in fastest and is also correct will win the tickets. I will get back to them and say, you win the tickets, hooray for you. Uh, If you give me your um, information to pass on to Live Nation, the company that runs the concert, um, within 24 hours, you get it. If you don't respond to me in 24 hours, i got to move on to the person who gave their answer the next quickest. So just keep that in mind. When you get an email from me saying that you won, make sure to respond and confirm. So here comes the trivia question to win the two tickets to see the Game of Thrones live concert experience. I think it's a pretty easy one. All right. When Game of Thrones the show started, what was the name of the maester at Winterfell? At the beginning of the show, and at the beginning of the books, there's a maester at Winterfell. What is his name? Maester blank. 
what Maester worked at Winterfell for the first couple seasons of the show? Maester blank. Get your answers in. Send them to dan.selke at winterscomin.net. And you could win two tickets to see the Game of Thrones live concert experience anywhere around the world, as long as you're in North America or Europe. And uh, without further ado, I think we Good luck, everybody. Good luck, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye, Kayla. I'll see you next week. Bye, guys. And now let's bring in Mr. Josh Hill of fan-sided fame to talk through another chapter of A Song of Ice and Fire, A Game of Thrones. Josh, how are you doing? Do you like the new microphone setup? Does it? Oh, good. I, 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 with Stelky. I can work with that. I like that. Yeah. A von killer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So guys, so what we do here is every week we go through another chapter of A Song of Ice and Fire. Right now we're still on Game of Thrones. I've read all the books. Josh has not read any of the books. We're going to break down every chapter, looking for it for insights, for, um, just new experiences and, Analyze it to see how it works, yeah. how it functions, what we feel about it, and where it's going from here. Today yeah. we read uh, Eddard Seven, the seventh Ned Indeed. chapter. I think he's like well outpacing the rest of the characters. He um, is in the book at this point. His days are numbered. So. His days are numbered. <laughs> yes, but he. I mean that, that that that's part of the fun of this book is that uh, he's the one who dies, but he's also the one who has by far the most time. Oh yeah. So he's the one we least expect to die. Oh yeah. Which is all part of the big magic that is this book. Anything stick out about this chapter to you, Josh? No, it just reinforces my theory that this is he's like the noir, the old noir tale of, you know, mystery. Agatha, did you say it was an Agatha Christie or was it another point. chapter? I couldn't remember if that was another chapter. I mean, but you've said in the past that a lot of these Ned chapters play like mystery novels. Mystery novel, yeah. And I at some point made some Agatha Christie crack, yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I like that. And you know, even though we know what happens to him, or at least I do, it is nice to see that his story play out this way in a little bit. I'm almost to the point where I'm getting invested in it, and I'm like, oh, oh nothing's going to happen. You know how you, like, you rewatch a movie or like a sports game, and you know what happens, but you get to a certain point, and you're like, maybe it ended differently. And I'm just, you convince yourself. <laughs> so I'm kind of in that point with, with called Ned. called insanity. It is, and I'm feeling it with Ned. <laughs> but there was a lot that happened in this chapter. It was. I mean, I, I think a part of the reason why people want to get invested is because he's, Martin's very good at playing with expectations, mm-hmm. that he writes it so... In a way that we're familiar with, in a way that makes us want to get invested and to want Ned to see his journey through. Yeah. And then he upends it, and we don't see it coming. For example, he says things like, like there's one part where uh, Ned talks about kind of the whole conspiracy and says, the dagger, Bran's fall, all of it was linked somehow to the murder of John Aaron. He could feel it in his gut. Mm. And that kind of ties into that whole hard-boiled noir thing, mm-hmm. where it's this, it's this... It's this guy who's out on his own. He's piecing this together, and his heart is true, and he's got a gut feeling about it. And, you know, like, in in most movies and TV shows and books, when the hero has this gut feeling and he follows it, it usually ends up being right, Mm -hmm. I feel like. Yeah. And we've watched those, and we've read those, and we're used to that. So I feel like the instinct is that, well, he'll go through some trials and tribulations, Mm -hmm. sure, but in the end, his gut feeling will be rewarded. And then the twist is, oops, it's not. <laughs> it's so aggressively not rewarded. Incredibly aggressively not. It's literally off with your head. So it's right. Yeah, but I, I do like that hard-boiled kind of 
aspect of this. I did write down in my notes that it's it's basically like a noir. And I also liked how it was kind of like very pulp fictiony with the death of Hugh and all that, where right. it's like we saw that in another chapter and we were like, Sansa Ooh. didn't really know about it that much. And then it's in this chapter. It's like, oh, okay, it makes sense because Ned and all this kind of stuff. So I also like that maybe it was just because I'm, I'm connecting dots that aren't there with going overboard comparing it to like old noir things but that was very pulpy like this whole something happens in this one chapter and it's completely i completely glossed over it i was like oh whatever and then in this chapter i was like oh that's right so maybe a little bit of the mystery paid off but yeah, it's cool i like the pulp fiction um reference because mm-hmm. you're right it's like it's literally what it is we have two separate perspectives in the same event mm-hmm. sansa watched this tournament she watched the mountain kill sir hugh of the Vale. yep but it just, she has no idea what it means. It's just, it's terrifying some guy died in front of her. But she doesn't realize this has implications for this whole John Aaron murder plot. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Sir Hugh of the Vale was John Aaron's squire. Yep. And Ned wants to talk to him. He probably knows something. And again, it's that pulpy thing. He yep. knew too much. <laughs> so he had to go. Right. Oh, man. And, and, but, the, but the funny thing is, it, it's vague, too, because, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he was killed to be silenced, mm-hmm. or maybe the mountain is just a freaking freak and a monster. He clearly is a bad, bad man, yeah. and he just killed him, because that's what he does. No so, coincidence. Like we were talking about last week with the chapters, where you know mm-hmm. you can't have too many coincidences, but maybe, that, maybe that's what we got here. Well, I mean, I, 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 I remember that, that I wrote down that the mountain is portrayed as like this horrible, despicable mm awful person i mean we were listed as him you know i mean even in this one he kills a horse Mm -hmm. which is one of the famous moments from game of thrones like it's it's one of the moments (laughs) i was like okay this show's a little different (laughs) when like he cut off the horses beheading horses he tries to kill loris tyrell yeah even though this is like a tournament it's like you know it's supposed to be for show but he's really going for blood all in yeah they talk about how he like probably killed his father his first two wives his servants disappear like he's the worst man in the world. <laughs> um, and I wrote down that I didn't think that setup for him being the worst ever really pays off because, I mean, the mountain, he's, you know, now he's just like a silent yeah. dude, never really says Zombie anything. Zombie thing. He, he's, he's hard to know. Yeah. But I'm thinking now, just literally just now, well, it, it does put into our heads some doubt about what happened to Sir Hugh because Mm -hmm. this guy, he does work for the Lannisters. Um, Someone said that Thomas says, Juliana says that he's Cersei's dog. He is. Yeah. So yeah, maybe he did act on their wishes and maybe he's just freaking crazy and Mm -hmm. just wants to kill somebody. So there's like any good mystery, you can't give them straight answers. You have to keep it a little vague. Yeah. And this was also the birth of Clegane Bowl too. It was the birth of Clegane Bowl. Heard a lot about that covering the show. Everybody wants it to happen and come back. That's interesting. So like what, what have you heard as like someone who's not knee deep in this stuff? I've just, I actually had to go and deep dive into Clegane Bowl because I didn't (laughs) know. Everybody's like, yeah, we want this to happen. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And then I was like, oh, okay, the mountain and the hound and I don't know if that would, that kind of honestly seems like it would be a one-sided battle. I don't think, I love, I love the hound, but the mountain is just so psychotic and everything that we've learned about him both in the show and the book, something about the descriptions in the book were very interesting because I've never really pictured him as human. Like even on the show, he's just this big brutish, like quad, like almost a giant character. Mm Uh, not like Pip or any of those actual giants, but like I've never really kind of humanized him. Sure. 
No, I And so this it, kind of really played it, it, into that. Completely. So I was like, oh yeah, this makes sense. Like all of these really awful, like almost Dracula like lore, like you go yeah. to this castle and you'll disappear and all this kind of stuff. So I guess yeah, I never really I wouldn't say that it didn't pay off for me. I get what you're saying, and I, I understand that too. But in a way, it kind of did because he's always been an inhumane character to me. Yes. So oh, like, he is a monster. I've never been like this is, is a guy who has a wife and, and you know all this kind of stuff. I'm like, Ugh, no. I mean, the, the, when I was saying it didn't really pay off, I was thinking in relation to people like Joffrey and yeah. Ramsay, who are just as monstrous, mm-hmm. but we we, we know them better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, you know, Ramsey was as Dracula-like as anybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, hunting women yep. with dogs and mm-hmm. um, killing babies, killing mm-hmm. his stepmother, killing his father. He's just as bad. Mm-hmm. But I, I felt like we knew what made him tick a little more. Yeah. The mountain, we never really know what makes him tick. That's We're, almost we, more we terrifying, to that too. It, yeah, Because he's true. just, you know, Ramsey had motivations and Joffrey had motivations. And like you said... Maybe the mountain just killed a guy because he wanted to kill yeah. a guy. Like I don't see Ramsey killing somebody without having a couple of different <laughs> steps planned out. Like he killed uh, somebody for a reason. I do. I mean, like to the point, like maybe, maybe he would. But I think that him versus the mountain and Joffrey, all those three. I think Joffrey and Ramsey would very much. They're gonna kill somebody because it works into the game. Whereas sure. the mountain's gonna, you know, pop out Oberyn's eyeballs because you know he just wants to. <laughs> so, right, he just wants and that's to. that's a truly fun. monstrous character. Yeah, he, he's effective, and that's why I, I guess don't there's think, room for all kinds of uh, monsters in this story. And that's why I don't think the hound would stand much of a chance. I think it would be a very heroic death for mm-hmm. the hound, but I think that That'd especially now that in Kaglamvol, you think the hound would win? Yeah. I, I would be rooting for the hound, but now there's almost like steroids because like the mountain's a zombie. Like, can you even kill them? Is he even alive? Can you kill something that's, that's a good not point. alive? Like, I think uh, uh, right here we have a comment from Juliana that says, "I mean, if he dies, there won't be a big payoff because he's practically dead already. Yeah, It'll just be for show." Also interesting. Mm-hmm. Although Kelly thinks the mountain is a beast, which I can also <laughs> agree with that. Isn't he like a really sweet guy in real life too? Like. The actor, yeah, the giant, giant man. Yeah, uh, I feel like, I feel like I he has know. like a goat farm somewhere. He's just very he's gentle. Funny. He he yeah. he likes the social media. He likes doing like funny <laughs> little. Like there was one bit where he was like going to malls in wherever he's from, Denmark at Christmas, mm-hmm. and I forget like handing out candy. And you know he knows that how intimidating <laughs> he looks, so it's a fun little game uh, he plays. There you go. I mean, you know, Oberyn almost killed the mountain. I mean, so it's true. He, he can be he killed. Should've. He just got cocky and then yeah. ruined everything. Right. Okay. One more thing I want to talk about mm-hmm. is um, the whole... I, I thought this chapter did a lot with the whole idea of this story as a subversion, if I can get literary for a second, <laughs> of you know, the whole point of A Song of Ice and Fire. One of the many points mm-hmm. is that it presents a world that we think we recognize. Dragons, knights, mm-hmm. maidens, all that medieval stuff, like a King Arthur-y type place, mm-hmm. and then it subverts it. I mean, literally, we just talked about, about, about how Ned Stark's whole story is, you think it's going the way you think, and then it yeah. doesn't. In smaller ways, he's subverting the notion of chivalry throughout. And I think mm-hmm. the best example of that to me is the scene where Robert Baratheon, <laughs> who's the is brave warrior king, yep. is too fat to fit <laughs> into his armor. Yeah. It's funny, and it's just, it's it's, it, 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 it hits that theme really hard. Mm-hmm. Like, you think a king is noble and good and a fighter. No, he's a fat ass who can't even put <laughs> he can't in his armor. He can't fit in his armor. Yeah. It, uh, 
It was weird. It reminded me of like Kevin Smith in that moment because he always jokes yeah. about he's too fat to fly, and you know, <laughs> it kind of reminded me of that like Robert Baratheon's too fat to fight. So, which yeah, and I, I like that because there's been other things that we've seen or not seen but read in the book so far mm-hmm. that kind of do go against the grain of like these stories that these traditional fantasy. So like we kind of talked about with Arya and mm-hmm. like the hero's journey a little bit, oh, and we're not that well versed on it as Preston is and or Richard Preston is right. writing about it on the site, but. Like that, those those things in there, and then you also have things with like Sansa too. So she is a Stark, and she is from this one place, but she does want this other life. And but even that kind of trope of girl who wants the the, the princess who wants to be the princess, we saw in the last chapter. Maybe she doesn't really want. There's things in there. There's little hints in there that maybe she's not. She doesn't want the life she thinks she wants. And right. that's kind of like this overall theme that we're seeing with like Ned and not his story not going where it's going to go. And we've got, you know, the whole uh, Varys thing going on and, mm-hmm. and, and Littlefinger and all these characters. I really do appreciate it. I'm not big into fantasy, so it's not it's sure. something that I'm particularly you know up on or something like that but i do i have picked up on the cues of how it's kind of going against the grain and again I, i'm reminded more and more deeper and deeper we get into this book of how much credit george R. R. martin doesn't get i think because everybody everything i've heard you know with the clegane bowl looking at that from the thirty thousand foot view george R. R. martin has always been like this old guy in the woods who doesn't want to write this next book <laughs> and now i'm going back and actually reading and it's like oh yeah this is actually i can see why this is yeah, well, why such a big it, thing, it yeah. might take a while to do because I mean he is very detailed. Like in, in in terms of world building, even we get oh yeah more drive-bys. We get introduced to Lancel Lannister this time, mm-hmm. and again just like slipped in there. Mm-hmm. And like Lancel's the guy who helps Cersei kill Robert, yep. and he ends up going to the Faith Militant, Faith Militant later, and then gets her thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. So he'll come back around. We get glimpses of Thoros of Mir, who's mm-hmm. the guy who has the flaming sword, and yep. it's good and fun. A guy who isn't in the the um, the show or much is Angay the Archer, but I don't know. Note that name. He'll come back. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he he is very detailed. You can understand why he why a book might take a while yeah. because all of this it takes time to parse out. And mm-hmm. he said that he's a slow writer. And with this, I mean, I, I think that you and I, what we're doing, and I'm reading this stuff. There is stuff to unpack. Oh yeah. So there is stuff to go over and. It, you can read it and just like enjoy it, but you can also like dig into it, mm-hmm. and that can only happen if you take the time to write it correctly. Well, and also it's unlike other books that I've read in that you go chapter to chapter and it continues the story. Whereas this is uh, this feels very episodic to me. Oh, yeah. Like there's so much like the Ned TV chapters in particular. Yeah, and like the Ned chapters in particular. I know we we kind of talked about them the most as being like mystery novels, but they feel like individual episodes of this book and not just chapters because we go from Ned and we have all the like even everything that happened in this chapter mm-hmm. is very structured it all it's very thought out and it's linear and it's you can really dig into it and like there's a lot to unpack it feels like an episode of a TV show whereas like and I feel like other, I have read why other, it works so well as a TV show exa- well I mean like it almost makes me wonder why they didn't do the episodes like the chapters, because it would be an interesting way to structure your I mean, TV show, going from person to person. They did person. for a while, for, for, for the first season. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you saying they should have done it like one chapter per episode? Well, I mean, that's an interesting way to structure the show. I can see why they didn't mm-hmm. end up doing that, but it is a weird, it is a weird balance between the two. It kind of reminds me of like um, The Sopranos a little bit, where it's like you have one episode that's really focused on this one thing, mm-hmm. and then you move to another one, but it all fits together. And that's a hard thing to write for TV, and it's a really hard thing to write for a book when you something you can put down and pick back up. Right. 
and we've been reading this for a couple of months now, and it's yeah, we have it's to. really it's it's something even as complicated as the chapters are. I feel like you can put it down, put it back up, and it's jump right in, and it's. I'm just I'm amazed. I'm more amazed by George R. R. Martin than I ever thought I would. Be, yeah, it, so. it it rewards study. Although I'm curious if we if we're lucky enough to get to the fourth and fifth <laughs> book, I'm curious to hear your feelings on those. Um, before we wrap up, let's talk about Varus uh, quick, because yep. he has this ending show. First question is: so in this scene, he he like sneaks into the tower of the hand room to see Ned, and he's mm-hmm. dressed in like a a cloak, and I don't know, he smells different. Ned doesn't even recognize him. So in the books. This is something they did not do for the show. Varys is a master of disguise. He Apparently. Like disguise. And this is not the only time this happens. He like really? disguises himself, different guys as he goes around. Apparently no one can tell it's him. Hmm. Do you think they should have kept that bit in? Because obviously that, that, that's not in the show. No. He's just always the bald egg man mm-hmm. shuffling around. They Very noticeable. Very, you can pick him out <laughs> yes. of a, a police lineup. So, Do you think it's something that, that they should have kept? I mean... I enjoyed it. It was a little was different fun. because I was like, "Oh wait, I don't remember this from the show." <laughs> like this right. is um, Varys is a master of disguise. It fits his character perfectly. It does because so. he's all about sneaking and mm-hmm. hearing whispers and all that crap. Yeah. So I I guess it, again, this and is an actor. They do mention that on the show. So. Yeah, and this is another example of something where being able to dig into it deeper in the book helps it make a little bit more sense. Because I can see why they can have to gloss over it in the show, and it just so happens that he pops up from place to place, which works with his mystique of his character, sure. where Varys is always listening, and his little birds are always listening. But uh, I do like the idea of him being a master of disguise, just because it's it's almost comical to me. <laughs> like he's why I feel, I feel it, like he's it, walking it, around like Tootsie or something funny. like that, and like he's just in, infiltrating all of the high society of, of Westeros. He does get in drag at one point I'll, in, in I'm the books. Very here for Varys and drag. This is a good question from Juliana. Do you guys think that Varys meant for Ned to join him in supporting the Targaryen restoration? I thought he was hopeful when Ned defended Danny. So I think what she's basically asking is like, so Varys comes to Ned and he's like. You know, look, the Lannisters are trying to kill um, Robert Baratheon, yeah. and they killed John Aaron. Do you think he's being sincere? And you can use what you know about who Varys really is and who he really supports. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think that, you know, we know that he's working with the Targaryens. So mm-hmm. I, I honestly think that... Varys is not going to be... He's not going to offer his loyalty to Ned. I think he mm-hmm. sees Ned as somebody who's in the way, just a pawn in the game, which is kind of why he's not... If he, he would have opportunities to try to help him out, try to get him on board, he would have already done it. He's not going to wait until now and just kind of like be like, I mean, here's all of the answers that you seek. It's I mean, he, he did say do. that... He, ever, he said, like, I was waiting to see if I could trust you. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he gives some justification. But I think the interesting thing about that bit is that he's going to Ned and offering some information, mm-hmm. even though we know he he wants what he, he really is in support of the Targaryens. That's yeah. that's whose corner he's in. Oh yeah, and he wants the Lannisters and Starks to fight. So basically, Ned's being manipulated by everybody, and Ned's wrong about everything. He's wrong about his hero. gut feeling yeah. about it all being connected to Bran's fall and the dagger mm-hmm. and all of that murder John Arryn. He's wrong about that. He's wrong about Varys. So, in retrospect, he never stood a chance. This is one line I think we can end on. Uh, in retrospect. Some good comments, people, by the way. These are all really nice. Lauren Gross says that Varys in the books is so much more shady in the books than in the show, and I like that, which is true. He is yeah. a little more muddled in the books. Yeah. And Dan points out that he wasn't disguised when he visited Ned in the Black Cells. Yeah, I guess, but it wasn't like 
you can't possibly recognize him disguised like it is in the books. He is a lot of little... I do get a lot of little finger vibes from Varys, more so mm-hmm. in the book than I do in the show. I think they... A little bit early on, I was untrusting yeah. of Varys, but they kind of separated from that. And they now do. It's like, like they, they establish him as like the good skeevy sneak person as opposed uh, yeah. to Littlefinger, who's the bad one. Whereas in the books, they're kind of more both on that level yeah. the whole way through. And I do, I do appreciate that, like, like she did. There's this one line that Ned just says, um, For a moment, Eddard Stark wanted nothing more, so much as to return to Winterfell to the clean simplicity of the North where the enemies were Winter and the Wildlings beyond the Wall. And maybe he should have. Um... <laughs> Any other concluding thoughts, Josh? In retrospect, is Ned perhaps the stupidest Game of Thrones character? In retrospect, <laughs> I think he might be. He's like a martyr because he dies in the first season, the first book, and all this stuff, and we like him and for rightful mm-hmm. reasons, and his ripple effect goes across all of these different characters, but he's wrong about everything, and he's like this big, smart, noble character, and it's like you literally could not be more wrong about everything. I mean, I... I do you think that there's a difference between being stupid and being wrong? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just the way he's 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 just not used to this kind of thing. Like he in the north, like you said right there, the enemies are it's cold out <laughs> and there are wildlings. That's what you fight. You don't do any of this sneaking behind mm-hmm. plot murder plot stuff. So he's just out of his element, and it just it, it it never works out for him. Anyway, thanks for coming, everybody. These have been good comments this yeah. week. And I think next week, in retrospect, Emma, yes, in retrospect, yeah. not in going retrospect. forward. The whole point of the book is that it tricks you into believing he is yeah. uh, going on the right track. I think we should read the next two chapters. we got a Tyrion chapter. All right. And I believe an Arya chapter, whatever the next two are. Yes, Tyrion and Arya. Yes. So we'll All see right. you next Wednesday at 4 o'clock on Take the Black here on the Winter's Point Facebook page. Congratulations to whoever won the two tickets. I will get back to you post-haste. And see you next week at Wednesday. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Get everything you need for your next project today at Menards and save big money. LP Smart Side products are the number one brand of engineered wood siding. Smart Side trim and siding offers long lasting performance and delivers the warmth and beauty of traditional wood. Save big money today at Menards and LP Smart Side products. Plus, visit menards.com to view the weekly flyer and check out all of our great deals happening this week. Save big-